0: Welcome to the Falling Skies cast, the first podcast dedicated to Falling Skies on TNT. Hey, welcome back to the Falling Skies cast with Jimmy in Georgia. And I know I'm starting recording here on Monday night. I honestly don't know that I'll be able to make it through the whole thing This evening, just with some uh, chores and whatnot I need to do here around the old home place. And so uh, we'll we'll get started, see how much we can get covered, and hopefully get this posted a lot sooner than last week's episode. And uh, today we are going to do the things we normally do after an episode of Falling Skies. We're going to talk about some news here in just a moment. We're going to get into a brief segment with Mama in Georgia, and then we're going to go into some feedback. We're going to do... Our recap, our top five moments of the episode, some historical and pop culture references, because we actually had a few of those this week, and then uh, tell you how to contact us. We'll have a Pope Quote of the Week, and then that'll be our show for this week. So we do hope you'll stay around for all those things. And uh, we're going to get started today, just like we like to do, with just a brief segment. And I might as well just call this Falling Skies Ratings instead of Falling Skies News, because that's usually what it covers we're going to jump into that right now. From the Falling Skies, cast Studios, it's the Falling Skies News with All Jimmy and right. Well, The and ratings Amy. for last week's episode, not, not the one from Sunday night, the previous one, Death March, their numbers are still going down as far as the live plus same day. Uh, it's down to 3.3 million viewers. But uh, the thing that they're reporting there on TV by the numbers is that Falling Skies is ranked as basic cable's top scripted series for the week among the key adult demos with 18 to 49 up 10% to 1.7 million and adults 25 to 54 up 2% to 1.9 million. It is still the number one basic cable drama among adults of 18 to 49 this summer. So it's definitely still good, uh, but it's just not as high, I guess, among your general audience as it was last summer. And we do go back to those live plus seven days, we keep mentioning those. And again, those numbers keep climbing up into the over 5 million range, adding, in some cases, a couple million viewers almost. Uh, Back in July 22nd, that episode bumps up to 5.3 million viewers, if you take into account the live plus 7 days. So that's definitely good news. And we're going to get into a little segment where I try to call my mama in, and sometimes she doesn't stay on topic. And uh, Brian called me out on that last week. I know she talks about random stuff. Last week, we'd all on a tangent about Hell on Wheels, and we'll see how it goes this week as uh, I hit the music and uh, give Mama a call.
1: Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you.
0: Oh, okay. I can hear you calling me, and I was trying to answer you.
1: How's everything going? Right, it's going pretty good. How about you? Yeah. Had a good day. Oh, that's good to hear. Yeah. So did you get to see uh, Fallen Skies last night with I saw. I saw the most stuff last night. <laughs> what did I, you I, saw, see I figured
0: they were something going to be up because I said that sounds
1: too good to be true. Yeah. What they were going into. Well, they definitely made it look a lot nicer that first time they first showed up and then... Yeah. They got to see all the stuff that was going on behind the scenes pretty quick it seemed like so right uh i don't know the only i guess the only big question really is uh is that general guy a good guy or is he evil more so than the ontario uh, quinn's character arthur manchester right because uh... arthur manchester didn't necessarily seem like a bad guy even like when gene you know we no. were talking about him she's like i don't think you're a bad guy i think you're wrong and so i don't know that's something to think about i guess right But, yeah, it it seemed a little fishy. Falling Skies, I I almost forgot it. Right.
0: And when I thought of it, it was just coming on, so I didn't really miss nothing. Oh, that's good. Yeah,
1: I enjoyed it, so. I always like to see Terry O'Quinn in anything. It didn't matter. Right. That was good. I guess I'll talk to you later on. All right. Bye-bye.
0: All right, well, we're going to jump into our Falling Skies feedback. All right, we're going to start off our feedback, as we are pretty much always do on our Facebook group, or actually it's a page, not a group, but same basic concept. And uh, over there on the Facebook, if you haven't found us, we are at facebook.com forward slash Falling Skies cast. All right, on the last count, uh, we do have 223 likes over there, so if you haven't found us, we'd love for you to find us there. A couple comments there from... uh, I post to ask about theories or thoughts about the Falling Sky Season 2 finale. First off, here, Bug Bogdan, I guess they say that. Ben will return with the Alien Rebels and find the second mass in need of heavy assistance. And then Beth says, no idea, but can't wait. The promo is incredible. Also, Linda posts something there Shane Pope, I'm going to wish you into a cornfield. And she said, I can't believe they used Twilight Zone. Well, since she brought it up, we'll touch on it briefly here. Um, but we are going to talk about this a little bit more in our Fallen Skies and Pop culture. Um, there was this episode of Twilight Zone entitled It's a Good Life. And there's a six-year-old boy named Anthony who has godlike mental powers. And they actually parodied this on The Simpsons a long, long time ago. And I really enjoyed that. I wanted the uh, Treehouse of Horrors. Anyway, we'll we'll get back to into that as we get to the Falling Skies and Pop culture later on in our show. But thanks, Linda, for pointing that out. Because I do like those random references. And I definitely think they're pretty funny. And so that's pretty cool. And I think that's probably the only three comments I have from Facebook at the moment that we need to touch on. Uh, oh, well, there was one more. I guess I'll go ahead and share this one, too. Well, I posted a uh, message that said, As a huge Lost fan, I'm extra excited to see tonight's Falling Skies with guest Terry O'Quinn. Falling Skies. And Christy says, Oh, dear. Oh, my. George Gay." I don't know why I said that, but anyway, we're going to move on here from Facebook over to Twitter. There again, if you haven't found us on Twitter, then you might have missed it. Um, we are at the Falling Skies. And so often in my post, I will tag us at the Falling Skies and then add the word cast at the end since what I really wanted wouldn't fit. And so I had to settle for what I could get just based on the limitations there of Twitter. Because actually, I don't know if I've mentioned this any time or whatever. When I first signed up for this, when they changed the name from Fallen. To falling, falling skies cast won't fit. Falling skies cast did fit on Twitter, and so when they changed the names, my first thought and the one I actually registered, and I, I changed it because I figured TNT might want it. I had registered Falling Skies TNT, uh, which is their official Twitter name, and so since I thought about it, I was like, "Yeah, they'll probably want that." So I, I changed it to the Falling Skies, and so like I said, I could go on Twitter and put the Falling Skies and add the word cast at the end and. You know, be in reference to my little show here. But anyway, over there on Twitter, we're up to almost 1,400 people who have decided to follow us. And so if you haven't found us there again, we are the Falling Skies on Twitter. So we'd love to have you check us out and follow us there. And then also, we like to interact with you or or whoever else may be listening and being over on Twitter. So we have a few things to get into. And we'll start from a few days back. I want to start on Friday. That sounds a pretty good place to start since we posted our last episode. I think maybe Saturday or something. So at Jennifer Rucks, gave us a follow Friday as did at seven sweet princess seven, as did at G H underscore Schuster, as did F skies Two mass as did, uh, at three of fast space. So thanks everyone for the follow Fridays. Appreciate all of those. A couple of things here from G H underscore Schuster. Um, one of his posts there on the 11th was Charles trap, all hail glorious leader. Um, and a link to one of his blog posts there. And then he says, uh, also on the 11th, I guess when I finally got that last episode up, said, good cast this week. Just to prove you have an actual listener there. Some skipping issues with the recording. And yeah, I think uh, I didn't go back and and check that out. There was a couple of places where, I I guess it was just my my computer kind of did a bug when I was either recording it or exporting it. It just kind of jumbled some stuff up. Might have missed a word or something there. It was kind of strange. And then also he says... Also, a good reminder that even though we love Falling Skies, podcasting and blogging about it is hard work, and it definitely can be. Also, at Jen Haygood said, Guys love the show. One of the best on TV today. At Butterfly8871 on Twitter says, You're welcome, smiley face. And she was one of the people who very kindly left us a Facebook review recently, so I noticed a couple of those a few days back, and I uh, posted up on Facebook and Twitter saying thanks to uh, Marguerite R and KB Yak um, for leaving those there. And I, you know, we send a link over to our podcast over on iTunes. And so, again, thanks to them, and thanks to anyone else who may leave us a little review or star rating there. And since we mentioned it, I guess we'll go ahead and share their quick little reviews. And it did not take long to leave one. If you haven't already, definitely appreciate it. Marguerite R there on iTunes says five star review, awesome. And the actual comment to review is love, love, love. Um, a smiley face with five stars. KB Gack says, I love your show and I love your mom. My sister and brother in law live in Georgia and you make me smile every episode. You sound like a good old southern boy. LOL. Thanks to KB Gack and Marguerite R for leaving those brief little reviews there definitely appreciate that. I would love for any of the rest of you who feel the uh, urge to, to drop by the iTunes place and, and do the same. It would be great. All right, we'll get back over to Twitter. At CCFA Camper says, Can Falling cast get any better? This show is my freaking life. The cast is pretty legit to keep it up. Also on the Twitter, at Sierra Rain 17 says, Well, I have a few thoughts about it. Those blue things falling from the sky, I wonder what those are. And that was I asked about what you know what people thought about the uh, season two finale. Again, there were people responding back to that. Here's at Kill the Alien's response, the whole second mass together and fighting with the skitter resistance at forever donut agrees with kill the aliens he says that's what i think too kill the aliens responded back to both of us saying we'll find out sunday also over there we got a message from at f skies to mask asking do you know when they will start recording season three and i think it's probably next month honestly don't know for sure i have heard that date flying around there somewhere but i couldn't seem to find it yesterday when i or said when i was looking around for it i basically responded to i think it'll be next month you know if it's like last year and they said oh that's true can't wait for season three will be so exciting so very nice at butterfly 8871 responding to my uh question about thoughts or theories for the season two finale says i hope they are prepared to start the fight for the planet also here at casey underscore says pope nice work boys looks like you dropped us into the middle of a good old-fashioned coup and uh, that was a definitely good quote from John Pope there. And then also he says, I'd vote for Red Eye Skidder before I'd vote for Manchester. Skidder representation, Falling Skies. <laughs> That's pretty good. And then one last one here from Twitter, at Moon underscore swag. Say, man, this is going to be good. Falling Skies and Team Wolf are my fave shows. So again, thanks to everyone who um, interacted with us over on the Twitter. Definitely appreciate that. Uh, again, I don't know that I've seen any uh, notifications of any kind of voicemails or anything like that, so I don't think we'll have any of those to get into for this week. We'd love for you to give us a call. Leave us a message or you can send us a text, too. And that's at 73-35 skies if you would care to do so. All right, well, we're going to jump into our Falling Skies recap. We'll re- recap the episode, kind of have a little commentary in there, here and there, uh, maybe point out a few things along the way. And then we'll get into our Falling Skies 5, the five most pivotal moments of the episode. After that, we'll get into our This Week in History and our pop culture segment for the week. So that'll be fun. And uh, so I hope you'll stick around for the rest of the show. It's time for the Falling Skies Recap, part of the show where we recap Falling Skies. All right. Falling Skies Recap time for episode number nine. We have our typical previously on segment, as we usually will. We have our second mass group walking down into what appears to be like sort of the sort of hangar. Um, kind of reminding me of something like Independence Day, Armageddon, or um, the right stuff, something like that. And uh, Porter's very proud of them for uh, fighting and getting there and all those kind of good things. Um, we, we hear about Porter and what happened to him because that was one of the questions some of us had. You know, last we heard from last season, uh, if I remember correctly, I mentioned this a few days ago, that it was Die who came back, reported that Porter's unit was attacked and he was dead. Here he says that his you know unit was hit. There was only five of them left, and they made their way down to Charleston. Two questions: How do they hear about Charleston, and why didn't they find the second mass? Makes no sense, quite honestly. Really doesn't. Don't understand that. And there's another thing later on. This exact same way, I'm like how would you even know to make your way down there? He does say they found Charleston by dumb luck. So, basically, they just turned tail and ran and happened to fall, you know, in this place. Seems a little fishy to me, but, you know, whatever. Um, and then we find out soon here after this that they're in a complex underground system building under construction, they say, a, uh, like a shopping mall. And so there's everything down there, and it looks to be awesome place. Everyone's happy to see them. They give them a standing ovation, and literally here in a few minutes, they have, like, a feast for them. Anne's overwhelmed, and... Apparently they have a reputation that has preceded them, and we do see a gigantic U.S. flag. And that was when we cut to the opening sequence. And we get back and they have hot food, like in a uh, lunchroom kind of way, (laughs) like a buffet, I guess. There's all sorts of vegetables and food and stuff there. We see uh, here, very quickly, Jean Weaver has made her way down to Charleston. And I'm like, why? How did that happen? She doesn't really talk about it a whole lot. She said they got messed up outside of Richmond or so. And then later on we have more discussion of that. But there again, if something happened to her boyfriend and her little buddies, why wouldn't she go to the Second Mass? Why would she head five or 600 miles down the South Carolina to Charleston? Makes no sense whatsoever. It really doesn't. But that's what they're saying on the show. I'm like, okay, don't get it. Alright, and here we have the Berserkers talking with Pope about their plans to get out of this place. And later on they do try to execute this plan. And Maggie stops him before the I guess the MPs come in along with Tector and actually you know, physically stop them with guns and things. We'll get to that in just a little bit. Matt Mason is excited about kids and school. And soon Arthur Mason comes up talking to Tom about how he used to be in his class at Boston College back when he was the history department head or chair, have a nice little conversation. Tom brings up his book from darkness, democracy. And he says it's one of the best revolutionary war histories. Definitely, get you old. Know, we're old friends. And this is, you know, thing I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, I think, you know, what if Charleston turned out to be another Terry Clayton sanctuary thing? And it doesn't necessarily seem to be, but I got a few hints that it could be like that. I don't know. It kind of seems like this Arthur Manchester thing seems a little too good to be true. So maybe he didn't make out a deal with the aliens like um, Terry Clayton did. I don't know, but um, so far on Falling Skies, old friends don't turn out well. Um, you know, the, granted we've only had one experience thus far. Prior to this, was Terry Clayton was an old friend, and that didn't turn out too good. And then Manchester's an old friend, and even if he's not uh, necessarily evil, he's definitely wrong. At least that's the way the second Mass feels, and that's the way Jean Weaver feels as well. That she t- says that later on. We'll get back to that. And Arthur is the majority leader of the new USA. He is not the president. He said that would sound presumptuous. But yeah, there again, kind of strange. Anyway, like I was saying, there's a few times in this episode where it seems Manchester, or I like to call him John Locke, (laughs) has information he really should not have. And I wonder why or how he gets that. And I, I don't know. It makes me think he might be working with the overlords, um, at one point, he mentions that particular name and things. I don't know. just seems very strange. But there again, I don't know. He makes an excuse later on, and the fact that they actually bring up an excuse for him seems a little fishy again. But I don't know. We'll get back to to Mr. Terry O'Quinn's Arthur Manchester soon. All right, now we get here in the next scene, we get introduced to General Bresler, who, if I'm not mistaken, is Max Hedrum, and I guess I'll double-check the... Uh, imdb before we get to our pop culture segment is to double double check that but here we do have tector we found out his real name is aloysius murphy which is kind of funny um and then here is where some of the grievances begin being aired weaver shares about what they've done what they've learned on the way down where the aliens are he kind of points out some stuff on the map and the general says he won't be needing his accounts he dismisses colonel porter and then the general goes on to tells Weaver that the civilian authorities are rebuilding. And since they are in control of Charleston, they are the ones who decide what the military does. And he, he goes on to say that Arthur Manchester got this popularity because he was one of the first ones here to settle. And that the people just keep looking to him as as a provider, as a protector, all those things. And he does, you know, since he is actually like kind of like the president, he's the majority leader. And I made my little thing last night. So I did stop recording there, and there's, I think there's a difference here in the audio quality. I think I cleaned it up just a little bit here for uh, the next day of recording. But last night I was going in there, and I made a majority leader, Tom, vote for Tom Mason kind of poster. I think it says Majority Leader 2012, Mason Reclaim America, and it has my little logo for the podcast. But anyway, the general's not real happy. He doesn't really say anything too negative, but in that way that he's following orders, but he doesn't necessarily agree with the orders. That's pretty much what it comes across. And uh, here, Hal rushes in and says they have to get out of there. And and I think he means they have to get out of Charleston. I don't know that for sure, but we go over to an angry crowd, and we see that the angry crowd is the second mass. Tom and Ann are upset that they're getting split up, that they're going into 12 different housing assignment areas, and that they're going to take away their weapons. Porter comes in, tries to calm everybody down. He says he'll back Weaver, whatever his decision is. But Weaver does decide to go along with... You know Whatever rules are there in Charleston, since they've made it to Charleston, their dream land of hope and plenty. And then Tom says they need to start thinking beyond the Second Mass, and they turn in their weapons. And then my thought at that point was, well, so much for the right to bear arms. And we do go later on to hear Arthur Manchester saying he wants to do a new form of government here, and wants to be one of the founding fathers. Hmm. All right, Tom and Ann are in a real bed with a comforter and all those kinds of things. They wake up here, and I saw somebody on on Twitter or Facebook or something saying, oh, she's got to be pregnant soon. In real life, she actually is pregnant. As many times as they have shown here recently, That the fact that Tom and Ann are a couple, they are sleeping together. I would not doubt at some point in the show if there is a baby Mason coming along. But anyway, someone slips underneath their door, the South Carolina Gazette. And then um, Manchester has invited Tom to a meeting. And we also learn Anne and Laundress are working in the science and medical labs. Which turns out to be quite interesting when we get to that point. But Tom goes to see Arthur. He has a delicious apple from the hydroponic garden. And Tom brings up the pilot. He doesn't say her name, but it was Churchill. And Manchester gives him a copy of his book that they mentioned earlier. And here Manchester goes into this whole deal about how they could be the founding fathers of this new new country, basically, and that the forefathers, the founding fathers, could not have um, imagined what would have happened with an alien attack, and that he and Tom could be like Washington and Jefferson founding this new democracy. Um, he definitely wants to change it, uh, dif- make it different from the way it used to be. And so, again, this doesn't necessarily, This I don't know, I think we're supposed to think he's evil and all these things. He's not necessarily evil. It just made me misguided or whatever. And the other thing about this, we're used to our second mass and their freedom fighting and their resistance. And and these people aren't about that. These people are about surviving and trying to stay away from the aliens, which sounds a lot like what the aliens are trying to offer to Tom, which there again, um, it kind of goes both ways. I I don't trust Manchester. I do think he's off and he may be evil. Um, and he may very well be like Terry Clayton, who's made a deal with the overlords or the skitters or aliens or whatever. And so I think that would be an interesting twist. Now that he's out of power, who knows what will happen. We'll see, I suppose. And what he does say here, too, there's another vote tomorrow. It just so happens that the Second Mass arrives two days before vote, and Tom then shares with Mr. Arthur Manchester about the aliens' encounters about the Skitter Rebellion. He doesn't tell him everything about the Skitter Rebellion, which comes up later on in this episode, but he wants to ally with the rebels and attack With everything they've got, author instructs him not to say another word about it. Doesn't want to hear it. So there again, that's just one of those things. I could see where he could just be a guy trying to protect his people, but I could also definitely see how he could be an ally of the Overlords. So I guess we'll see. Then we go to the dining hall once again, and this time it's a little different. Uh, We see Jean's working there. We have Captain Weaver in a new uniform, Looking all spiffy. And then Jean notices his leg and ask about his bike. So again they're bringing that back up. It's like, hmm, I wonder if that, that means. Could mean something. Weaver asks about what happened to Diego and the others, and she kinda tells them some details of how their skitter patrol came along. They scattered. No one else showed up to the rendezvous, and after a while, she made her way down to Charleston. Again, the question is before why would she go to Charleston? How would she even know about Charleston? And then why wouldn't she find the second mass? I, I don't. I mean, I know the lady in the plane came fairly early on, but at what point would they have even mentioned that they hadn't left for Charleston? They hadn't decided to go there. I, I don't know. That just seems strange. Again, that she would show up there. Again, I, who knows? She could be an enemy. I mean, I don't. I don't trust anyone on this show when they are out and about on their own, and then magically come to some other place. Um. Even Pope and Anthony, and uh, they were out in their own. They were supposedly captured by aliens. They supposedly got away. They could be in in league with them. Who knows? Pope doesn't care. He just wants to do what's good for him. Uh, I would hope Anthony's not not a bad guy because he seems like an upstanding citizen. Even though they don't focus on his character all that often on the show, and I don't think he was even in this episode. Uh, I don't remember seeing him anyway. But anyway. The other thing, just talking about not trusting people, they did bring up the stuff that happened to Tom. How do we know that Tom isn't going to be a sleeper agent who's going to get activated next week? That would be cool. There's all sorts of things I was thinking that could be cool for next week. I definitely want to see some betrayals and some twists and some turns. I'd like to see... I'd honestly like to see... I don't know if this is going to happen this season or ever on the show. I'd like to see some other aliens show up. Uh, I think that would be cool, like if there was a... A third party uh, coming along. Or even, okay, if these skitters were from another planet who was peaceful and all that stuff the red-eyed skitter said, maybe there's some people still remaining on that planet. They've got off their planet. They're coming for revenge or something. That would be cool. But I don't know. We'll see <laughs> what can happen. Going back to Jean, she says she wants to say something at the meeting, and Weaver tells her to stand up and she'll, he'll support her. We go back over to Anne. She goes into the infirmary. She finds Laudris, old low, who seems to be happier now, which, okay. That's cute. Um, There's lots of meds, and Laudris is assigned to a surgical unit. And this other jerk of a doctor comes in and hands the kids over to Anne, since she's a pediatrician, and stands up to him and everyone takes notice Anne gets the apple that Tom was given by the uh, majority leader. Tom shares that his meeting did not go well. Apparently here we notice that the welcome to Charleston food is not what they always have, and Jean here, if I'm not mistaken, said something to the effect that they've raided everyone's personal quarters, so they got the best of anything anyone had anywhere to to have this big hoorah for the uh, second mass coming in, which is kind of weird and uh, communistic. <laughs> Jean again is not happy with her life there; she's working double shifts or worse. And then Ann is complaining about combat surgery and being assigned to pediatrics and wiping noses and stuff like that. And then Tom and Ann are both kind of scared because or well, not necessarily scared, but they're concerned about how everyone in this place is so complacent. It don't seem to be putting up a fight against the aliens to try to reclaim America, reclaim the world. That's why you should vote Tom Mason, majority leader, 2012, reclaim America. But, Yeah, it's an interesting thing there, and again, that makes me go back to the, well, maybe they're in league with the aliens, and I guess we'll see. We go back over from our commercial break, and Crazy Lee Pope and that other Berserk are in the uh, area of the artillery, the armory perhaps, trying to scout out what's there, and they have some serious weapons, but then the Continental Army couple of those guys show up, one of them being Tector in his new uniform, and they want to test their shooting skills. Hal and Weaver talk about Hal's attitude, and uh, Hal's like taking apart a gun, putting it back together and stuff. Weaver actually gives them some good advice here, saying that most of these boys here have never fought in action, and that at some point Hal might have to lead them, that he needs to get their respect. Um, And we see here Maggie steals a handgun. Uh, We go back up um, over to Matt, and we find out he hates school, he hates being in Charleston. He has, like, a busted hand or is bleeding or something. She, Anne, as always, fixes him up. And then uh, we find out that one of the bigger kids was talking trash about the second mass, saying they never fought aliens, and they came here to steal stuff from the people in Charleston. And Matt hit him and might have broken one of his teeth. And then we also find out Matt's been suspended from school for a week, and he doesn't want to go back. So definitely not working out so good for Matt. But then again, we don't see the kids in the second mass anymore. I was just thinking about that. Because he was talking about, yay, there's kids again, woohoo. Well, there was quite a few kids last year that they saved from Terry Clayton, so where'd they all go? I don't know. I just, I just thought about that. I hadn't thought about that since last season, I guess. All right, Crazy Lee, we'll go back. and she says they've got five minutes before the sentries come. They start sealing some guns and ammo. Maggie comes in with her handgun and makes them stop. But the sentries come in, and uh, Lyle, one of the berserkers, is shot by Tector, doesn't kill him, but he does shoot him. And then Maggie, Lee, and Popper put into lockdown and Lyle is taken over to medical. Pretty soon thereafter, Hal wants to go down and talk to Maggie. Um, he is allowed down there, which I think is kind of odd, personally. Tom's talking with Manchester again. Hal says he's getting out of here no matter what Manchester says. Hal doesn't care about Maggie's past, but she still just doesn't buy that and tells him to leave her alone. We go back over to the like town hall meeting and Jean is speaking about her friends that are out there, no one's doing anything to try to find them. And she says specifically, and I, I kind of latched onto this word that she said. She says she doesn't think Manchester is bad, but she thinks he's wrong. And then um, Manchester comes up and thanks all the speakers for their passion and commitment. He introduces Tom, and Tom thanks everyone for welcoming them into the city. And he he goes on to talk about how all he's known is the Second Mass and resistance, and reads um, something his old friend wrote. Uh, and then we, we have the little boy come in, or not necessarily the little boy, but the uh, young man who appeared at some point to be maybe Ben. We find out soon it wasn't, as Tom and others rush into the General Manchester's office, and this young boy was sent by the red-eyed skittered of uh, news of that there's more de kids in their ranks, and they're waiting nearby so they can talk about an offensive against the other aliens. Here we find out, again, Manchester's worried. Weaver, Tom, and the General agree that, as you know, with this news, that maybe this is the time to launch an attack. Manchester's concerned that Tom didn't even mention the fact that his son was a part of this Skitter revolution. Then he says, what else could, you know, he have tried to hide or not told him? The General says to lock up the boy and put up her perimeter and hope the aliens pass them by. Tom, again, gets to talk with Manchester privately. Tom says he doesn't care about politics author is upset that Tom slapped his hand away. Author later on brings Pope in his office and gives him some nice food and a wine and asks to try to get some kind of dirt on Tom Mason pretty much and Pope, you know, could be free if he would just give up Tom and Pope says if anyone's going to knock Tom Mason off his pedestal, it was going to be him, not a two-bit dictator in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, <laughs> which is pretty funny. And we go back over Hal is trying to set Maggie free so they can go to this meeting with the aliens. Hal does get in there to see Maggie once again. He knocks out one of the guards, along with Adai's help, of course. Hal says again, this whole bad girl past doesn't make sense, because the only Maggie he's ever known is the one standing in front of him that saved his butt a whole bunch of times, and he wants a clean slate. He's not a high school jock, and she's not a junkie thief. It's just a new, another chance to start over. Hal, Tom, Weaver, and others are preparing to leave. Porter has gotten them some weapons and some bikes, the General and some of his shoulders, however, show up and surround them. Weaver orders his men to stand down. The General orders them to be arrested on Manchester's mandate. Tom suggests to the General that he takes these concerns to the Manchester to try to get him to change his mind. Sergeant Murphy, Tector that is, refuses to arrest the Second Mass fighters. And then, uh, at this point, all the members of the Second Mass are ordered to report to the common area. Definitely looking kind of bleak. And stands up to Manchester. And then he goes on to say they will be locked up until they prove they can be trusted. Tom is able to speak to Manchester once again. And the Manchester tells him he should have told him about the implant in his eye, about the infection of the most killed weaver, and that the fact his boy was a part of the Skitter revolution. And here again, I was like, how does he know all this stuff? And here, he does kind of say that his friends in the Second Mass told him all this stuff once they were in custody. And so, I don't know. Maybe he's not working for the aliens. Maybe he's just smart and he can pick up information and that makes sense, too. But it would be more interesting if he was working with the aliens. And they go on to say here, too, that there's going to be a civilian trial along with some with all the uh, Second Mass and the sympathizers. However, the general doesn't seem to want to obey his order. And then we see that the general is going to take Manchester down to the holding area and set Tom and his people free. And uh, the general has taken over Charleston. As uh, Pope mentions, they are part of a good old-fashioned coup. And that is how our episode ends. For episode number nine number nine for falling Skies season two and uh here we're going to jump into our top five moments are falling skies five all right it is time for the falling skies five the five most pivotal moments of the episode number five on my list and that is uh Charleston isn't as good as it seems to be, (laughs) and there's several things that go into that. Uh, Anne's experience with the hospital, uh, Matt's experiences at school, Manchester and Tom's interactions, uh, the interactions with Gene. I mean, there's all sorts of things that can be thrown into that label. This really reminds me. Again, I don't like to spoil things, but there's a great, and I do mean great, and I don't say everything's great, like an awesome podcast. Um, if you haven't checked it out, if you're into like audio dramas, if you like audio books, if you enjoyed something like the Star Wars dramatize the audio of the books, there's a uh, awesome podcast that was going on for like three years, I think now, called We're Alive: A Story of Survival. It's uh, it's about a, like a zombie apocalypse, and it's an radio drama basically, but it's on the, on a the podcast, so it's a podcast drama, I guess. And it's really awesome. It has great story, great acting, great sound effects. There's a certain part of that story, something similar to this. The group of survivors make it to a place they think is new and safe and awesome, and it's not as new or safe as awesome as they thought it was. And so, again, I don't want to spoil too much, but I would definitely highly, 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 highly recommend. Check out We Are Live on iTunes or if you're on Zoom or whatever else. But it's it's a great thing. I've actually listened to the whole thing First two seasons, probably three or four times, and they're in season three now, and I haven't actually gone back to re-listen to it, other than when I've listened to it when it's new, but it's really, really good. Anyway, I'll stop talking about that podcast to get back on track, but again, things move pretty fast once you get to Charleston. Lots of stuff happened in this episode, and it's one of those things, having ten episodes of a show, either... You compress your storytelling and makes it concise and interesting and better, or you rush things sometimes. And I don't necessarily think they rushed anything here, but I, I did see on Twitter and Facebook and stuff some people were complaining about that. I mean it definitely moved really, really quickly from oh everything's awesome to wait, the food's bad, oh no, we have an evil guy here. Oh there's a coup. It moved really, really quickly through all that stuff, and that's okay. Um since they only do have a limited amount of time here, and you know, especially with someone like Terry O'Quinn. He was only signed on to do two episodes, so you really couldn't stretch out that, I guess, um, without paying him a lot more money or something. I don't know. But anyway, things did move pretty quickly once they got into town, and I definitely think that's an interesting turn of events. Um, within, what, two or three days, the second mask goes from heroes to prisoners. Number four, um, just showing how things move very quickly. We quickly learn how Anne is not treated well at the medical facility. We quickly learn how. Matt is not treated well at school. Jean is not treated well in the cafeteria. So we definitely see those things, you know, throughout. The people aren't necessarily happy here, even though it looks all fine and dandy from the outside. And I definitely, it kind of plays into number five. Kind of plays into some other things we're going to talk about, but definitely the utopia that they thought it was, the the oasis, the sanctuary, the whatever they thought it would be, it is in some ways, but it's definitely not in a lot of ways. And that that would always be the case in something like this. Okay, well, number three on my list, Pope and his little band of marauders, the Berserkers, have uh, have decided they're going to break out of there and steal some weapons, and uh, Maggie tries to stop him, and gets arrested along with them, <laughs> which is kind of funny. But that that's just an interesting thing with Pope and like, his whole little story throughout this. You know, he's done that. He gets taken before uh, Manchester, and he refuses to sell out Tom, which is interesting. Like Pope's character is very hard to read. It's very hard to tell what he's going to do. Like He definitely is out for himself and uh, what benefits him mostly, but not always. Sometimes it's more about his pride and his own personal choices um, than necessarily benefit. Because it would benefit him to have given up some information on Tom and gotten out of jail. But he didn't do that. He chose not to. So he's hard-headed. So that's interesting. And that's why that is number three on my list for this week. Alright, number two on my list is Manchester Bean. Well, Manchester, I guess. He definitely doesn't seem to be quite the evil person that I guess some of us out there on the internet may think he is. I don't know. Like he, like I have my misgivings about him. I think he has information maybe he shouldn't. Uh, even from the very beginning of his whole story of made his way to Charleston and founded this new colony or whatever. Sounds fishy. Uh, it Sounds like he's been in league with some fish heads, maybe. But I don't know. I, I, I still don't know how to read him 100%. We'll see. I think, hopefully, next episode we'll get some more details, and then I honestly don't know that Terry O'Quinn will ever be back here for Falling Sky. so he may die, he may run away, who knows? I don't know about his fate at this point, but we'll soon see Sunday night on TNT at 9pm for the season finale, but I don't know. I, I'm I'm interested in more about him. I hope we get to see more of him in the season finale and find out a little bit more about his backstory. But then... I mean, I've already talked about a lot of this. I feel like I don't want to rehash the same concepts that we've already discussed. So, I'm going to go ahead and go to number one. My number one pivotal moment this week was definitely the fact that General Bresler took control there pretty easily at the end of the episode and became the leader of Charleston or declared martial law of the new United States or whatever they call themselves there. And I think it's interesting... Uh, definitely, because we don't know much about Bresler. We know he's Max Headroom, if you're a fan of the 80s. But we don't know much about his character other than he was a military leader who was a general. I don't know if that's a legit term from before, like Colonel Porter and Captain Weaver, Sergeant Murphy. Those are you know legitimate military ranks. I don't know that Bresler has that. I don't really know anything about him. But another question about him, really, I think I brought this up earlier... Is he evil? Is he the one who's been biding his time to take the opportune moment to take over the place? This reminds me of that podcast I was mentioning earlier. I don't want to go into any specific details, but the the evil one might be the one laying in wait to take over versus the one that already is in control. So, I, d- I definitely want to see what goes on with that. And then There's so many things going into this next week. I guess we'll kind of stop talking about our top five and just kind of ramble here for a minute and maybe throw out some theories or something. But, there's so much going into the, the finale who knows what's going to happen i would love to see more about manchester i definitely hope we see the Skitter rebellion and ben and whatever's going on there and apparently they're close by and they're supposed to go and meet them so i, I think that's a pretty good odds to say that it's going to happen but i definitely want a game changer here i want something crazy to happen uh, i think i've already brought up somewhere along the lines of this episode that i'd love to see another group of aliens show up that we haven't seen and not necessarily another weapon like the the little spider things from a few weeks back, but actually a different group of aliens, another you know faction, another planet, another whatever. That would be awesome. I, I don't know if that's gonna happen. I'd love to see Tom get activated as that sleeper agent. I think we mentioned that a little earlier too. I'd love to see this whole thing with the Skitter Rebellion be all just a big. Bunch of hooey and and Ben's working for the bad guys. I mean, that would be fun. There's also many things they've, they've set up that could be really fun, but we'll have to wait and see what happens, I guess. And it's one of those things. Like I feel like there's a lot that's got to happen in 42 minutes, and then you know setting up for another season and all those kind of things. So it should be an action-packed hour. Hopefully, uh, they haven't you know, hopefully got the budget <laughs> they needed for this final couple episodes, and apparently they did to have people like Terry O'Quinn and the the guy who played Max Headroom here in the episode. But I'm just looking forward to this Sunday night's episode, and definitely uh, just can't wait to see what happens. And so I think that's where we're going to stop this part of the discussion for the podcast, because honestly I might just keep on rambling if not. And so we're going to go ahead and uh, start our This Week in History portion of the show. Uh, We haven't had one of these in a few weeks, so it'll be good to get back into that segment. this week in history. Well, there's a few things we're, we'll touch on briefly. I, I don't know how much we've gotten into a lot of this in past episodes. I mean, I try to talk about these things whenever they're brought up and I'm sure some of this has been probably been mentioned before. We do have them mentioning the Founding Fathers, which is pretty basic American history stuff. And so I'm assuming we've probably touched on that before and I'm sure you're probably pretty much all aware of that unless you're maybe outside of the U.S. and just don't know about some of our little terms and phrases that we use here. But, I mean, definitely that just refers back to those men who helped lead the country as the revolution started. They broke away from England, and they helped you know, write the Constitution, write the Declaration of Independence, all those kind of things. But there are, are quite a few people there back in the uh, revolutionary era that are kind of labeled founding fathers. Uh, people like George Washington, like Thomas Jefferson, James Madison... John Adams, Benjamin Franklin, Alexander Hamilton, um, and others. But there are, are quite a few people there back in the uh, revolutionary era that are kind of labeled family fathers. Uh, people like George Washington, like Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, John Adams, Benjamin Franklin, Alexander Hamilton, um, and others. And apparently that particular phrase has been around since the early 1900s. So it's been something that's been prominent I guess here in the u s for quite a while, but there's a bunch of people who were you know back in in that day and time who you know were patriots and heroes of of the American Revolution in that that era, and so you know that could be referred to a lot of different people um here specifically in this episode, they mentioned Jefferson and Washington, so that was cool I mean obviously General George Washington led our forces in the revolution became the first president of the United States. You know, people like like George Washington. We mentioned how he's the first president. I mean, everybody kind of knows those kind of things, and so don't want to get too uh, wrapped up into that. I mean, we kind of—I think we know about that stuff. I don't know. I, I do like those kind of refresh Says it wasn't like season one where Tom was like, "We know back in the day when they had these guns and they went here and they blah blah blah." It wasn't as detailed, and I honestly still like those, even though I guess some people don't. And then Thomas Jefferson was a part of the Continental Congress. Uh, He's from Virginia, became the third president of the United States. And he was the principal writer of the Declaration of Independence, which is pretty sweet. All right. Well, like I said, I don't want to get too crazy. I'm um, involved in these things. I think we we may have mentioned Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, these things before. So I think that'll be a, a good little touch on those those things that were mentioned and brought up in the the show this week. And then I do want to touch here in our next segment on a few pop culture references. We haven't had many of those recently, so I'm excited to have a couple of those to get into. And then that's pretty much going to be wrapping up our show. And that's good because once again our show is late, uh, <laughs> and so uh, hopefully hopefully this next week we'll have the show out pretty quickly falling skies and pop culture i like the music there said it is time for falling skies and pop culture i mentioned a few things along the way i think two things i really should bring up just once again, even though it's not specifically mentioned or anything, Terry O'Quinn definitely is known for our, um here in the last few years, definitely something like Lost. He's a popular actor, at least in in, in my group of friends. He's uh, been in all sorts of things at Y5O recently. has a new show on uh, ABC this fall called Park Avenue 666. Uh, I've heard it's kind of like uh, American Horror Story light. <laughs> I haven't seen it. He was—he's been in stuff forever. He was in The Rocketeer. He was in uh, Young Guns. He was—he's been in stuff for a really long time. Jag. Uh, he was on uh, Alias. Uh, just all sorts of things. He's—he's he's been around for a while. So I feel like we need to just mention that. And with people like he, him, and uh, the actor who plays Max Headroom, and I still refer to him that way just because I—I I don't know. I saw. I think I, guess, I don't know if there was ever actually a movie, but I remember watching the the Max Headroom television show. And the name of that actor is Matt Frewer. Uh, he's been in all sorts of things over the years. Uh, like I said, personally, I still know him as Mac Kledrum, even though that was you know, 20-some-odd years ago. Uh, he's been in all sorts of things. He's actually, I think, pretty well known here recently, the last few years, uh, from being Moloch in the Watchmen movie that came out. Uh, I know he showed up on stuff like Star Trek, all sorts of things over the years. He's been in a lot of Stephen King movies. But, again, I know him mostly as uh, as Max Hedrum. I mean, he's, he's played Sherlock Holmes. He's he's definitely been around for quite a while. And If you're not familiar, I'd say looking at some of his IMDb or whatever. Because he's been in some cool stuff. Like, stuff... It's not necessarily the greatest movies ever, but stuff that's pretty neat. Like, he was in uh, Supergirl, which is cool. I mean, I know it's not Superman, but still Supergirl is pretty cool. He's in Dawn of the Dead. Like I said, a bunch of Stephen King stuff, so... I thought I thought it'd be apt to bring those couple things up, and then another thing this week Pope mentions a couple things actually. He talks about being in Mayberry when he uh, gets to Charleston. He talks about how he doesn't want to stay there long, and obviously you know Mayberry, um, the fictional town there in North Carolina, not too far from Raleigh, where people like Barney and Andy Griffith lived, Aunt B, Opie, and the lot. Um, and recently we did have the passing of of the legendary, I guess is a good word, for Andy Griffith. He died not too long ago, a few months back now. And so, definitely one of those iconic things in television history. The uh, city of Mayberry, they did have the show, the Andy Griffith Show, for many years. And then after, after Andy Griffith actually left, they continued the show with Mayberry RFD uh, for a few years as well. So, definitely been around. And I remember when I was fairly young, they came back and made a few, at least one, maybe a couple of... Uh, TV movies. I remember like in the late 80s like, like a 10, 12 year old kid or something having like the return to Mayberry and uh, Ernest T. Bass was there and Barney and uh, pretty much everybody but Aunt B was back and uh, there was a lake monster, lake, whatever the lake was in Mayberry. But anyway I, I thought that was neat. And Then we mentioned one earlier too from, uh, from uh, the Twilight Zone uh, one of our uh, friends over on Facebook uh, brought up that reference which was pretty neat so I appreciate that. If if any of you would like to share those things or stuff like that, you know, I could miss. It's very possible. But there was an episode of The Twilight Zone back in Season 3, Episode 8 called It's a Good Life. And we mentioned it previously that there was a little boy who uh, who had godlike uh, mental powers and could read minds and do crazy things and have control over time and space and just crazy stuff. And one of his, his things was... Uh, he, he basically, if he got mad, he would wish people away into a magical cornfield or mystical cornfield. Um, and there you could not return. And and I mentioned this earlier, too. Um, they did this pretty much, I don't know if it was shot for shot or whatever, but they did a very good parody or almost retelling of this same story back on the Treehouse of Horror. I think it was the second one on The Simpsons. And they did some of the same things, like the Jack in the Box. And just some of the things that he did was pretty crazy. So I definitely think that's a cool reference from the writers there at Falling Skies. And I think that's one thing uh, for me, if if I were the writer at Falling Skies, I think writing for John Pope would be the most fun because he is the snarky one. He is the one who comes up with these random references, and I think that's one of the reasons I like him. Um, but I, I do think they would have more fun writing for him maybe than some of the other characters on the show. There might be some more, but honestly, there's only ones I have written down in my notes. And so I think i will be all for that portion of our show here this week. And we're going to jump into our last little segment here. Well, not technically our last segment, but one of our last segments where I tell you how you can get in contact with us here at the podcast. You can email us at FallingSkiesCast at gmail.com You can give us a call or you can leave us a, a voicemail there or whatever, but you can also text us at 773-35-SKIES and that is a US number so if you're calling from outside the US just put a plus one in front of that and then we also have our FallingSkiesCast.com website where you can go leave comments and things there You can find us on Twitter, we're The Falling Skies You can find us on Facebook, we are Facebook book.com forward slash falling skies cast. And so definitely all sorts of ways you can get in contact with us. You can also find us over on Google plus you can find us in iTunes. If you'd like us um, there or whatever, you can uh, review or rate or subscribe. Uh, and there's also uh, other ways you can subscribe if you need to on our website. So all sorts of ways you can get in contact with us. We definitely love to hear from you, especially as the season wraps up. We like to have a, a lot of feedback if if possible from many of you so we can have kind of a listener into the season 2 wrap up kind of show that would be fun and so uh definitely would love to hear your feedback after Sunday's episode um and maybe we can have a special all-listener edition of the show. That would be great, because I, I definitely would love more feedback. I know I sit here and talk a lot. I would I would like to hear more from you. So, anyway, that's going to pretty much wrap up our show. We're going to uh, have our little outro music here in just a bit. But right before that, as we are apt to do, we are going to have our Pope Quote of the Week. And, yeah, that's going to be about it. And we'll hope to see you real soon for the season finale discussion. And then, hopefully, maybe if if you're out there and you're listening, you call or email Or Twitter, or whatever, we may have our special listener only edition of the show too. That'd be fun. All right. Well, I am Jimmy Georgia. This has been the Falling Skies cast. Peace. It's time for the Pope Quote of the Week.
1: Pompous, semi erudite, history buff with delusions of grandeur. And if anybody is going to knock him off his pedestal. It's gonna be me and not some two-bit tin pot dictator of Charleston SC. Salute.